want to continue this series that we started last week on winning the war of the mind. Winning the war of the mind. Last week, if you were here, we talked about taking control of our thought lives. And I honestly thought I was going to be teaching on your thoughts for several weeks. And the Holy Spirit said, no, just scratch everything. (laughs) Go, if you will, to uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I'm going to read it out of the expanded Bible. Uh, And you say, well, what's the expanded Bible? The expanded Bible is basically gives you every way that words could be written. Okay? uh, According to their translations. Now, look what he says here. Now, if you're reading King James, it'll say, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Somebody just say, okay, whatever. (laughs) But I like the way the expanded Bible says it here. It says, Do not be shaped by, conformed uh, to, pressed into a mold by this world or age. Instead, be changed from within, transformed by a new way of thinking. Transformed by a new way of thinking or change the way you think, the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to decide, discern, test, and approve what God wants for you or is God's will. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Now, how do I do that? By changing my mind. Remember, we talked about this verse in some more detail last week about uh, uh, we're the ones that approve God's will in our life or not. If, If we read in God's word what God's word says because that's his will, It's up to me to approve him to do that in my life. We can actually fight the will of God. You don't believe it? How many of our family members still aren't sitting with us this morning? The will is that everybody, right? But that's not the mindset we're going to talk about today. I want to talk about something that that everybody in this room faces. And, and it, it's shaped by, everybody hold up your phone. <laughs> it's shaped by that. We call it, uh, <laughs> and what happens is the world bombards us with images. And it bombards us with pictures. And it bombards us with fake little stories that, or just glimpses and snapshots into someone's life, and we think, oh man, I wish my life was like that. Now, we're not going to go into envy today. We'll go into that another day. But what happens, we look at that and we wonder, why is my life not? Everybody's life operates today around some type of social media. You say, well, I don't believe that. <laughs> 18 to 29-year-olds, 85% of you operate in some type of social media. 30 to 49, it's not 85%, it's just 84. (laughs) I forgot to put those up there. 
50 to 64 years of age, 73%. You're, you're always a little bit safer. 65 and over, it drops to 45%. Everybody in some way is, is trapped into social media. And, and, and I'm not against social media. Okay, don't think that. Uh, I'd be in trouble if I said I was. Liar. But what we look at when we see people's lives on social media, we're seeing one snapshot of a good moment. You're not seeing a good life. You're not seeing how great they are. You're not seeing how popular they are. You're seeing a snapshot of one good moment in their life. And we have a tendency to look at everybody's snapshots of the good moments in their life and say, man, I wish my life was that good. I wish I had what they had. I wish everything was, was as good for me as they. See, so what we do, we create versions of ourselves so we can put on display. <laughs> People said, I hear, I hear it said all the time, only God can judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. We look at people all the time. Don't judge me. Well, we don't have to worry about saying that to people because what we do is we take little snapshots in our life and then we put them online for everybody to judge us. We say, don't judge me, but here, here's my life. Go ahead and judge it and think, think what you want to think of me. Come on. <laughs> Only God can judge me. But just in case you want in on it. Why do we do this for strangers we'll probably never meet? We want to look good. We want to project an image to people that will never. And, and the thing about it is, it's become so addictive. But what it, it offers, it offers us a moment of control over how other people see us. And in that moment that I have control over how you perceive me, I will achieve what I've been trying to achieve since junior high school. What have we been trying to achieve since junior high school? I heard somebody say it. I want to be popular. I, listen, how, this, parents, this starts very early. Sydney was about three years old. Oh, geez, is, her, is her face red yet? I won't look at her. Sydney was about three, maybe four years old, and come through the house one day just bawling, crying. I said, why are you crying? She said, I'll never be as pretty as her. As who? Britney Spears. <laughs> but what it was is every time she turned around, there's an image. And we look at this image, and they think, Oh, I want to do this because that'll make me popular. If I do this, I'll be popular. Well, where, why are you preaching this? This is something you preach to teenagers. Really? It don't matter what age you are, everybody likes to be liked. And we will all put our best foot forward. I've, I've said it a hundred times. You know what, what? You know one thing I learned a long time ago about being a pastor? Everybody lies. Y'all here? What do you mean everybody lies? How you doing? Oh, everything's great. 
I am blessed and highly favored in the favor of God all over me. I just overheard you in the lobby tell everybody else hell was breaking loose in your life. But why can't we be real in fr- that real in front of everybody? Because we'd want to be popular. I don't want pastor to see me in a different light. So I'll hold it all back and I'll suffer alone. Anybody in here like musicals? Thank God, I got a couple. The musical Wicked. Yes, there's a musical called Wicked. It's a prequel to Wizard of Oz. There's a song in Wicked that says this. It says, I know about popular. And with an assist for me to be who you'll be instead of the dreary who you were, well, are. There's nothing that can stop you from being popular. To think of celebrated heads of state or especially great communicators, did they have brains or knowledge? Don't make me laugh. They were popular. Please, it's all about popular. It's all about aptitude. It's all about the way you're viewed. It's so very shrewd to be very, very popular like me. And we live in this media-driven world where it has to be popular. But what is popularity? Let's look at it real quick. What is popularity? Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Popular is to be loved by people. It's enjoying the favor of people. Pleasing to people in general. The word popularity is having the favor of people. The state of possessing the affections and confidence of the people in general. That don't sound so bad. I don't know about y'all, but that didn't sound too bad to me. The problem is, who am I trying to be popular with? Whose popularity am I really trying to gain in all this? Am I trying to gain the popularity of, well, I don't try to be popular with nobody, I'm just me. No, you're just trying to be you in another circle. Just because you didn't jump over into my circle. Oh, come on. It's a society that's driven by popularity. Go to Galatians chapter. We're going to ask ourselves, do we fall into a popularity trap here? If I titled today, which I did, it's called Popularity Shadow. Living in popularity shadow. Now look what he says in Galatians 1.10. He says, for, I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Even Paul, in all of his travels, was wondering, am I trying to seek God's approval here or am I trying to seek man's approval? Whose approval am I really trying to get out of all this? He, he said, uh, or am I trying to please man? For if I were still trying to please men, I would not, uh-oh. If I were trying to please men, I would not be serving of Christ. That hurts, huh? I know it did me. I don't know what your all's problem is. See, our job is to serve God, not man, not the popular opinion, not the opinion of the world, not the opinion on what everybody else thinks. Not the, but what does God's word say? And it, it is the thing that I am doing 
making, trying to make me popular so I can just be like everybody else? Or am I really ready to sit down and ask God, hey God, what do you think about me? This mindset of being popular with everybody else really needs to break in all of our lives. All of our lives needs to change. But we, but we ask ourselves, let me, have you ever been around somebody who is one way with one group of people and a whole other person when they're with another group? None of us are like that, I know. If I'm with this group, I can act this way. If I'm with this group, I can act this way. Well, what am I trying to do? I'm living in a cycle, a mindset of popularity. Do you know how exhausting that gets? Do you know how exhausting it can get to be to where you're trying to please everyone? Oh. Are we, let's ask some questions. Are we in a popularity mindset? Here's some questions to ask ourselves. Y'all okay this morning? I know we're not running around shouting, but time to grow up a little bit, right? Do you find yourself always doing favors for everybody else? Just keep looking straight ahead. Nobody knows I'm talking about you. Do you find yourself constantly doing favors for others? Do you find yourself... Well, let me, let me ask this. Do people often take it you for granted? Oh. Do they take you for granted? And I know every mother in this room and right now saying, I have lived the last X amount of years of my life like this. You stinking kids. <laughs> but do we find where we're doing things and we're doing things, but nobody seems to notice. Here, here. Let me ask you this one. Have you learned to say no? If we don't learn to say no, we're living in this popularity mindset. Sometimes you got to say no. Sometimes you do too much. And you've got to step back and say, you know what? I don't have to be popular with everybody. Guess what? Dave, you know what I learned a long time ago? Not everybody's going to like me. (laughs) Oh, it gets worse. I'll read you something here in a minute of a study I found this week. Let me ask you another question. Do you tend not to give your opinion or your thoughts when in a conversation because you don't think they will be accepted? This is a popularity mindset. I'll just, I disagree with you, but you'll never know it because the moment I speak something different than you, then my life starts getting tough. We have created a world of popularity, and it happens in here. Before it ever happens out here, it's here. Um, Do you find yourself doing things that you normally wouldn't do because those around you might be seeing a different side? In other words, they're doing something. Here's the biggie. You ready? Zach, this one will hurt. Do we ignore what God's Word says when it appears to be in contrast with the popular opinion of the day? Go to Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. And even though this verse, it's talking about legal proceedings, 
among the tribes of Israel, there's verses here that can help our popularity mindset. Look what he says here. You must not give a false report. Do not join your hand with the wicked. I'm in Exodus 23.1. To be a malicious witness, verse 2. You must not follow the masses to do evil. You see what God's saying here? Just because everybody else is doing it. And just because everybody else is going along to get along. Let's be real honest. Don't raise your hand. Because I don't want nobody ratting themselves out here. How many of us understand now why we got to win the war of a popularity mindset? We have to quit living in popularity shadow. Because we're trying to please God here and not please man. And so he says, don't follow the masses to do evil and do not testify in a dispute that agrees with the crowd to pervert justice. You and I, folks, aren't going to be able to please everyone. And contrary to what you might think, they're never going to be 100% pleased with you. Our problem is we spend so much time and effort trying to please people who really, at the end of the day, don't care what we do anyhow. And at the end of it all, they'll pay a little, very little attention to us. Now, I know you're thinking, well, you know, pastors never struggle with that. I found a, I found a they did a computerized survey and then compiled all the, 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 the traits that people want in the perfect pastor. See, there's pressure here too. In the per, in, in, for the traits of a perfect pastor from this survey, listen at this. The, they said the perfect pastor would preach 12 minutes. You all are in trouble. I can't get started in 12 minutes. They said the perfect pastor would preach exactly 12 minutes. He goes on to say he frequently condemns sin but never upsets anyone. (laughs) Here we go. He works from 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. and is also the janitor. He makes $60 a week. But wears good clothes, buys good books, drives a good car, and gives $80 a week to charity. Here's the kicker. He is the perfect pastor now. Is 28 years old, but has 30 years preaching experience. (laughs) If I try to live this, What kind of life do I got? That's miserable because I'm jumping over here trying to please Aaron and then I'm jumping over here trying to please Donnie and then I'm jumping back here and trying to please Angie and then I'll jump over here and try to please Phyllis. Guess what? I will run myself ragged. You all do the same thing. We all do the same thing when we think we have to be this person for these people and this person for these people, this person for these. Which face am I putting on? Which mask am I going to wear now? Because I have to be popular with these groups because I've got a little bit of an in here. Now, 28 years of age. 
Listen, out of all this whole list, I fit one category. This is how lucky you all are for me to be your pastor. I fit in the next one. He is wonderfully gentle and handsome. (laughs) My wife said amen. (laughs) He gives himself completely, but never gets too close to anyone to avoid criticism. He speaks boldly on social issues, but never becomes politically involved. That's the pressure of every pastor right now. He has a burning desire to work with teenagers, but he spends all of his time with the senior citizens too. He makes 15 daily calls to church families, visits shut-ins and the hospitalized, spends all his time evangelizing the unchurched and is always in his office when you need him. <laughs> Somebody's math ain't mathing. This ain't working. What would that do to me to fall into this type of popularity mindset? Go, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Who are we trying to please here, folks? You see why there's some mindsets that we have in us? Not just our thoughts, there are mindsets that have been built in us that we have to break. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he says, be sure that you do not, that you do, let me go back and try this again, be sure that you not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, when you do your charitable deeds, do not sound a trumpet. Before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets. You see what they used to do? They would make a big show. And as they were getting ready to give money to a poor folk, they would have people behind them blowing the horn so that everybody would look. And they would be seen. Why? Because they wanted to be popular. And he, well, Jesus says, you don't have to do all that. That they may be honored... Of men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do your charitable deeds, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deeds may be done in secret. And listen to this one. And your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. You see, we have to ask ourselves, who are we trying to please? Who are we really trying to please in all this? And if I am not comfortable enough with you that I feel like I can give you my honest opinion or if you're not comfortable with me and don't feel like you can give your honest opinion even if you and I disagree and you don't have enough confidence in our relationship to know that just because you disagree with me doesn't mean I don't, I'm not going to love you. then one of us is living in a popularity mindset and we're going to be a slave to every crowd we're around because we'll always have to be changing. Are you still with me? John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 42. Yet many of the rulers also believed in him. 
But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Lest they be put out, what, what, out of the synagogue. What? There were religious leaders. See, we got this idea that all the religious leaders were against Jesus except Nicodemus because he met him on the rooftop that night. But it says here there were many religious leaders who believed who Jesus was but dared not say it because they didn't want to get kicked out of their popularity group. Mm. He says, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They love the praise of men. Let me ask you, do we find ourselves doing the same thing? That no matter what the word says, the word calls it wrong. Yeah, but I don't see it like that. That's outdated. That's whatever. And as long as I become this, then everybody over here is going to like me. Because this is how everybody thinks. Or can we honestly look at the Word of God and say, oh, it doesn't line up with my current thought life. <laughs> and out of pure uh, 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 fear of not being pleasing to God, I'll walk away from that. And I'll hold to God. And hold to God's Word. Breathe, it's okay. <laughs> Y'all are quiet today, man. I didn't think it was that hard. <laughs> Due to popularity, they didn't confess Jesus. Go to 1 Samuel. Man, I'm flying through these. We'll get out of here and go to lunch here in a little bit. 1 Samuel, chapter 15. Look at verse 3. Now go and strike Amalek. Now this is God talking to, uh, uh, what's his name? Saul. This is God talking to Saul after he became king. Now go to Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. All right, so what's the word of God? Utterly destroy all that they have. Do not have compassion on them, but put to death both men, women, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, donkey. But Saul and the people spared Agag. Verse 9, sorry. So the word of the Lord was destroy everything. And so immediately, what do we see? Disobedience. God's word says one thing, but Saul, who was what? He was the king. He should have been making the rules, right? But it's interesting here how it says that Saul and the people spared. Why are there people even mentioned here? It wasn't their decree to do. It was Saul's decree God, let me tell you something, folks. God may tell you something that he doesn't tell Jody. And if he tells you not to do it, don't do it. But if he didn't tell that to Jody, now I'm not talking about things the word definitely says, sin, all right? But if the word didn't say it to Jody, you can't hold Jody to the same standard that he told you. Come on. They're getting it over here. Y'all gonna have to get it. But that's not what the church does. We say, you want to be popular here? You want to be popular with us? Then what God told me goes for everybody. And if I think it's wrong, then you have to think it's wrong. And you are sitting back there going, but I don't really think it's wrong. And God didn't tell me that that not to do that. And I'm not talking blatant stuff that you can open the Bible and read and say, oh, that's, that's sin. 
How many of you know, sometimes God tells you just to walk away from things. Try it over here. Sometimes he tells you to walk away from And then we look at everybody else and say, why ain't they walking away from that? So what we do with church, we run our own popularity club. And we're afraid for everybody to have a different thought process than us. We're afraid for them to not see everything eye to eye just like me. And if you don't, then we're going to shun you, turn our nose up at you, because you're not popular here. And so what we have. And Saul and the people, I'm getting really nosy now. And Saul and the people spared Agag. People shouldn't even in this conversation. And the best of the sheep and oxen and fatlings and lambs. And of all that was good. And they were not willing to utterly destroy them. But everything that was despised and weak, they completely destroyed. Verse 20. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. What? See, he's trying to be popular again. Him and, the, him and the people spared everything. But when he got with Samuel, I did exactly like God said. No, you didn't. Verse 3, he said, don't, don't spare nothing. He said, I have done everything, obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I have followed the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now look, here's, here's what happens. Verse 21. But the people. There's a time when we don't even, we're hanging with the, with the we are, we're trying to be popular with the wrong group. And when that group, the, the bottom falls out from under it. We're wondering why we're in the same boat they're in. We go, but the people, listen, this has been the answer since the garden. That woman you gave me, that's what Adam said to God. He said, hey, that woman you gave me, instead of taking his own responsibility, Saul does the same. He said, the people took the plunder of the sheep and the first fruits and band of the band things. Look, but it's okay they did that. It's okay that we disobeyed God. Because look, we're going to do something good with it. We're going to sacrifice it. Key word there that I think we miss in Saul's mindset. He said they brought the best back so that they can sacrifice to the Lord. Nope. To what? To your God. Not to my God. He didn't say we brought it so we could sacrifice it to the Lord. He said, I brought it so I could sacrifice it to your God. Shows you where Saul's mindset was. I obeyed the voice of the Lord, but he's your God, not mine. I'll stay popular over here. Well, how do you know Saul was trying to stay popular? We're getting there. Got to be patient. Verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. And I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Do you know what happened to Saul from that point on? Right there, Samuel tells him, you are no longer the chosen king. 
that God is going to replace you. Imagine if my struggle for popularity takes me completely out of line. Doesn't mean that God doesn't want to bless me. Doesn't mean that God isn't trying to bless me. Doesn't mean God's not wanting the best for me. But my actions have a consequence. And he said, because, I wanted to be, because you wanted to be popular with the people, he was the king. He should have been leading the people, not trying to be popular with the people. Let me tell you something. Being a leader is not always popular. <laughs> Anybody ever done it? You know. His desire was to be popular. And, he, and you know what it cost him? It cost him his kingship. Later on, it cost him his life, his son's life, and his whole family was removed from the royal lineage of Israel. Just because he had to fit in another crowd. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Being popular with everybody else ain't always put me on friendship basis with God. Whoever therefore will be a friend to the world is the enemy of God. Do not think the scripture says in vain he yearns. Now this is God. He yearns jealousy for the spirit that lives in us. God yearns jealousy, jealously for the spirit that lives in you. And he don't want to share you with anybody. He created you to be who you are. He created you to be what you are. He created your voice to say what it says. He created your mind so that it can think, function, and, and operate. Quit trying to make it bend to everybody else's will. My daughter, I love her. She was about four years old. We, we lived in this house, and it was a, it was a bigger house. Uh, we told her to go to bed. No. Pick her up, take her, put her in her bed. Me and her mom laying in bed, and a few minutes later, you hear, Sydney, go to bed. No. Pick her up. Well, it turned into be a struggle of wills. Oh, no. It got so bad her mommy was crying, going, you got to stop. <laughs> but it didn't stop her. You know why? Because that's what God put in her. She, learned, she had to learn to control that. But it's made her determined. It's made her herself. And I have pushed her for this all her life. You don't have to be like everybody else. God gave you the mind you have. You need to think the way he wants you to think. Even though I don't understand how she thinks sometimes. And that's okay. I don't have to. Because God created us individually. I didn't try to make her the children's minister here. She didn't have to follow in ministry because dad and mom did, was doing it. She, but to be popular at home, maybe I do. No. But when she came to us and said, I feel like I'm supposed to step up more. 
And God had already been talking to her mommy about stepping out of it. But I, don't want to, I didn't want to break that in her. I want to, why? Because stuff like that will make you not popular. She went through things at college that made her not popular. And it, and it, it, it put a target on her back. <laughs> we thought it was going to lose a scholarship and everything over it. I said, nah, you're all right. Folks, what do we do? What are we doing trying to please everybody else? Let me be what you want me to be. Listen, you, all you're going to get is you. Are, is everybody here? How do I overcome a popularity mindset then? What do I have, what do, I have to do to overcome this popularity mindset? You ready? Here's the toughest one. Quit worrying about what everybody else says and does and hears and thinks and you got to stop worrying about it. At some point, Ted and I was just talking about this right before service started. He, he, he told me something. He said, uh, 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 that, as it happened, and I said, he said, well, I just don't care. I said, yeah, that also comes with age too. Because we get to the point where I'm never going to see these people again in my life. I don't care what they think about me right here. You know? Stop worrying. You're hurting yourself. You're, you're wearing your brain out. Philippians chapter 4. Hmm. What do they think of me? Did I say that right? Am I dressed right? Am I dressed well enough? Am, am, I, am I being too close? Am I not being close enough? What can I do? How can I be popular? Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Don't worry. Be anxious about anything. But pray and ask God for everything you need. Or make your request known to God. Always giving thanks. Do not worry or be anxious. That is not a suggestion. I don't know who in here that deals with, I'm not talking about chemical things that needs medicated. I'm not going into all that. But just, I get anxious. I, I, you, uh, can I pick on you, Perry and Dave? I love those guys. They have played music all their life. I am so blessed to have them on this praise team. I am. I'm blessed. And I, I, I'm in a band with them that we do all 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. We do all kinds of music. I, I, I'm blessed for that. But it amazes me how I watch, and they both will admit, how nervous they get before we play. And I thought, you all have played. I know Perry's played since he was 10 years old. How many shows have they played? But you know what happens with that? It's a, it's a thing that happens in us because we want to be popular. We want to be liked. Now listen, I've got a great praise team, okay? <laughs> Me and Dee was teasing about them this morning. Ron, how many, Ron's played, that whole family, I'm not even going to talk about them. That, that bunch is wild, they play everything and but we sit and we worry and we get anxious. Stop. Well, that's hard to do. I know. But look what happens, he says in verse 7. If I stop doing this and I'm always giving thanks to God, it says, in God's peace, which is so great we can't understand it, transcends, surpasses all comprehension, 
and will keep and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 8, he says, and whatever is true and whatever is lovely and whatever is praiseworthy, he says, think on these things. How do I stop worrying about all this other stuff? As I start thinking on the things that God tells me to think on. Just thinking on the things God tells me to think on, I can overcome a popularity mindset. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. The amplified version of that says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, your worries, your concerns, once and for all on Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. First thing you need to do to overcome this popularity mindset Stop worrying about what everybody else thinks. Here's another one. You ready? Stop assuming what everybody else is thinking. <laughs> we, we do it. We assume what other people's lives are like. We, we assume what other people are thinking about us. We assume what other people are expecting out of us. We assume, we assume, we assume. And if you know the acronym, you know. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. But with me is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by man's judgment. I do not even judge myself. Paul says, I don't care if you judge me. I don't care if man judges me. I'm not even going to judge myself as long as God is pleased with me. So we're going to stop, stop worrying. We're going to stop assuming what others are thinking. Here's, here. Everybody needs to understand this one. Quit comparing yourself to others. Do you know the scripture even speaks against this? That's why we fall into the popularity trap. We're comparing. I don't look like Britney Spears. Aren't you glad? I don't look like this person. I don't have what this person has. What I don't think like. You shouldn't be comparing yourself to anyone. This is a mindset that's trying to trap you into what everybody else wants you to be. Go to, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2. We're al- 12, I'm sorry. We're almost there. He says, For we dare not count or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. In other words, we don't compare ourselves with those who brag on themselves. That's all social media is, isn't it? We don't compare ourselves to those who commend them, who brag on themselves. (laughs) They who measure themselves by one another and compare themselves to one another are not wise. In other words, quit comparing yourself to everybody else, you dummy. Right, Bray? Quit comparing yourself to everybody else. He said to do that is not wise. So if it's not wise, it is, thank you, (laughs) dumb. He said, quit comparing yourself to everybody else. Do you realize 
If our teenagers would learn this before the world put every other kind of pressure on them, that they, what leaders we could grow them up to be, what men and women of God who could change the world because they're not trying to follow everybody else. They're not trying to get into what everybody else is doing. They're not, and, and that doesn't mean that we're, don't, we're not friends. That doesn't mean we don't love people. That doesn't mean that I don't get in the mud and play around with the pig to catch it. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't affect me. But imagine if we could train but they don't have to be popular or who they need to be popular with. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. And we're going to end right here. You ready? For you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, there's where the popularity lies. There's where the popularity lies in knowing that I am a son or a daughter of God. That that is where I'm accepted. That is where I'm accepted no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. See, there's where the acceptance lies. That's the only place that I want popularity in my life. I like people to like me. I think I'm a likable person. You know? But you know what I figured out? You're not going to change me if you don't. I've went to funerals. And had people stand in front of me and curse me and swear at me because their family member died. And I thought, what did I have to do with this? But it doesn't change God's word. See, it doesn't matter where I'm popular as long as I know who I'm popular with. And I don't care about anybody else's popularity. I want God's. And that's the only thing I need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify, magnify you, and adore you. We praise you for who you are. And I love you today, Lord. Now, Father, help us overcome this popularity trap. Help us quit living in popularity's shadow. Help us to quit living in popularity's shadow so that we can stand knowing that we're accepted, loved, by you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.